It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January January twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. We're glad you're on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Looking forward to a good discussion and. I think a necessary one as a follow-up to our study last week. That's right. It is necessary. Last week we talked with three individuals who believe they can tell that the end of the world is near. One of them is even, in in fact, uh, naming a specific date uh, of the end of the world. Yeah, and and we had those three. Two of those interviews were scheduled. A third one called in unexpectedly. And so we ended up spending almost all our time last week, Jacob, talking with those individuals. And it left us really no effective time to tell what we believe the Bible actually teaches on that. We disagree with all three of the individuals, but we didn't have a good good chance at the end of the program to explain that disagreement and try to clarify what the Bible actually does teach. And well, so, well, actually, we did have enough time to tell to teach what the Bible teaches about the that specific day. Yeah, it doesn't teach anything. <laughs> we but, didn't have enough time to counteract their arguments. Yeah, that's right. We need to answer their arguments, and so we're going to do that tonight. We want to do it in a respectful way. We appreciate those men for joining us on the program, but we do disagree with their conclusions, and we need to explain why. All right. Uh, well, the last three weeks we've had interviews, and so we sort of rushed into the program. We ought to do a little housekeeping this week and uh, remind our listeners uh, how they can get in touch with us anytime, Dad. Really, uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners anytime. Well, you know, that's right. And, and apologies to the people who are so faithful to participate in our chat room. We didn't, uh, we didn't get to really pick up on their comments or to add in their their additions that were being made in the chat room because we were so busy interviewing people. And so uh, we we apologize for that, and this week we'll try to do a better job. If you're in the chat room, please join in, and we'll try to include your comments in our discussion. All right. Uh, you can do that by looking at the chat window on the right-hand side of your video feed if you're watching us from uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're watching our ustream.tv feed, you should find us uh, a better location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Uh, the bottom window of the chat uh, room there, you just click uh, sign in. You can give yourself a, a pseudonym. You can give yourself a nickname. No personal information is required, and you can chat with other listeners there. You can also jo- uh, log in with your Facebook account if you would like. If you do that, people can see a picture of who you are. And uh, there's also, as we've been informed, a, a share this button there. You can uh, share it with other of uh, your friends on if Facebook. If you're logged in with Facebook. Yeah, you can you, recommend it. And actually rec- behind the wheel tonight, uh, Jeff Vernon is here. Jeff uh, said he did this earlier tonight. Jeff, what's the process there? Oh, it'll pop up and it's... Oh, we, don't wait, have wait any... we haven't got oh, you, Jeff. Jeff we don't have your... Try that one more time. You'll click on... It'll ask you if you want to recommend it. Click recommend... You'll click the recommend, and that will put you on the news feed for Facebook. Okay, okay great. Okay, good. Thanks, All right, Jeff. Uh, and if you want to talk with us tonight, the number to call is 877-381-4567. 
The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We talked with three individuals last week, uh, the first of them being Gunter von Herringa. If you haven't listened to the program last week, you should go to our website, uh, and not right now if you're listening to us live, but you should go and uh, listen to those programs because it's very interesting. Gunter von Herringa. He's with a group that uh, they're not, they're, they're sort of independent groups roughly or loosely organized uh, a, a leader of this movement uh, is a fellow out in California. That's right. With World, uh, no, excuse me, Family Radio is the name of their organization, mm-hmm. uh, and they have picked a date and say that they can determine without fail that Judgment Day will be on May 21st of this year. So we're not very far out, right. uh, but they've actually pinpointed a date. Should be pointed out that they're not the first ones who ever did that. No, and uh, and and they're not. It's not the first time for them. That's right. Uh, they said earlier in what was the guy's name that uh, I'm trying uh, to think of the uh, guy's name. And I wish I I could remember it off the top of my head. It's it's a simple right name, but it's 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 it slips me every time. Right there on the end. But he 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 at one time uh, forecast it would be in sometime in September of 1994, I believe. And uh, he was wrong then, but he's tried again now. And uh, Harold Camping. Harold Camping, that's right. Camping. And uh, he uh, he's he's got a great mind. Gunter told us. And, he's and, an engineer, he right, said. Right. So and, he's he's used his engineering skills to piece together sort of bits of a puzzle, or maybe one one of our chat room listeners last week suggested it was like deciphering a code. Right. And and uh, so. Uh, they they claim that this is this is pretty technically achieved accomplishment to come to this conclusion. But to do that, to un, un, unlock the code, he had to rewrite history, if you will, and and upset the the established calendar of when people believe events happened roughly in time. He's had to move yeah, the flood back, for instance, several yeah. Uh, and not thousand only years. not only has he been predicting the future, but he has also redated the past. You know, most people go by a, an, a pretty old dating system for Bible events. It's been proven to be fairly accurate. It's, was a, uh, it's called Usher's dating method. Right. Uh, a bishop usher uh, a long time ago put together the chronology of the Bible. with, And you can do that pretty well by looking at how old men were when they had children and how old they were yeah. when they had children and so forth. And, Assuming that there are no significant gaps, and there can't, there's not much room for a whole lot of gaps in those genealogies, you can come to a pretty rough approximation that creation was about 4,000 B.C. Right. But uh, in order to get their numerology to work out, they've actually gone back and pushed that stuff farther back in history mm. in order to, to get us to where we need to be in the present day to make Judgment Day on May 21st of this year. Yeah, and I have to wonder if Mr. Camping didn't work backwards uh, to get something that would happen in his lifetime and find out know. some dates that work. We tried to interview, get an interview with Mr. Camping, but he didn't respond. Okay. But, but Gunther von Herringa uh, was very gracious to join us. He's very committed to what he believes. Uh, yes, he, he, is. he says he's selling off all his uh real property, and intends to have a zero bank account and zero material possessions on May 21st. So it would be interesting. Several suggested it would be interesting if it doesn't happen. We don't believe it will happen on that day. could happen on a day. could happen on any day, sure. but, but we're not picking that day. It would be interesting to interview him if he would agree on May 22nd. Maybe, maybe we'll try to do that. The next person we interviewed was Paul Begley. Uh, he's from Indiana. He says all the animals dying is a sign that God is getting ready to bring judgment. And he goes back to some prophecies in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, specifically. And uh, he takes a prophecy there that was directed to the children of Israel. And it mentioned animals dying. 
And he says, well, that's a sign that God is trying to tell us something today. Yeah, he, uh, but the context of Hosea chapter 4 is specifically toward the people of God of that day, and the prophet was pronouncing doom upon them because of their unfaithfulness to God, and uh, there's no indication or reason to believe that there's any kind of secondary application to the modern day. That's what uh, that's what Paul Bakley is suggesting, that there's a secondary application of that prophecy to our, our, to our current time, and... You, You'd have to have some other piece of the puzzle in order to make that jump, and I don't think he's got it. All right. You can't just go back to Old Testament prophecy and find some piece of the prophecy that fits a current event and uh, say that it, 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 it means that God's trying to tell us something today. People have been doing this for a long time. Dad, I remember watching people on television. Uh, what was the guy? Jack Van Empey. I think yeah. he was notorious for doing that. He'd go back to an Old Testament prophecy. He'll see it's, that's happening today, so then the prophecy must be coming. One of the things that's frustrating is that there doesn't seem to be any accountability to these individuals who make the prediction. Because I remember, for instance, Jack Van Empey was predicting that the first Gulf War was the beginning of the end and that the Battle of Armageddon was soon to be fought by the forces that were all coming together in the Mideast in anticipation of the outbreak of the first Gulf War. Well, the first Gulf War turned out to be a fairly minor skirmish in the annals of world military history. Jack Van Ampey's just gone on to make more more predictions without any accountability to his missed one back then. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, we uh, we had a surprise call from a gentleman in, in, in Georgia, uh, Stephen, I don't remember his last name. Can't remember either. Uh, and he said he's been studying for 15 years about uh, the end of the world, and he says he believes uh, that the end of the world is imminent, and it has to do with Israel gaining back uh, the nation of Israel, being given back the land of Israel and Jerusalem uh, back in 60, was it 62? 68. Well, they, they, they won back Jerusalem in the 68 war 1968 they were given israel was ceded to the jews at the end of world war ii in 1948 okay but there was a seven-day war in 1968 and they regained jerusalem or, or more of the city of jerusalem and he he dates his conclusions from that time okay all right now there were some uh some claims made about in to support his argument that you did some research on and found that they were not uh, substantiated well uh in matthew chapter 24 the disciples showed Jesus, they were at the temple, they showed him the magnificent buildings around the temple, and they and, and Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 2, See ye not all these things? Verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Some people say that that was... Two different questions. He said there were three different questions asked. But on the other hand, some people think that it was just an indication of the disciples' misunderstanding. And Jesus proceeded to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. We know he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He talked about the temple being torn down. And he gave signs that would precede that and lead up to it and events that would happen as that was about to take place. And in verse 34, he said, Matthew 24, verse 34, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, our conclusion is he was saying that this destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, and all the things that he had been talking to, at least until that point in the context, had to do with things that would happen in the lifetime of those people who were living then. Mm -hmm. Similar statement in Luke's account of the same words, Luke chapter 21, 
Verse 32, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Now, uh, our, our caller Steve from last week said uh, that instead of this generation, instead of this generation being that first in, first century generation that Jesus was speaking to, he said it was the generation that saw the Jews reclaim Jerusalem in sixty eight. He said, and he said it should have been that generation yeah. instead of this. Generation. He said the word here, "hutos." Uh, the Greek word hutos that's translated this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. He said the word can mean this or that. And this, and it would this to be accurately translated, it should be that generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Right. In other words, that generation, not, not this generation that Jesus was talking to in the first century, but that generation that will see the Jews reclaim Jerusalem. When that his his coming will be in that generation. Now that was his conclusion. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar; I don't pretend to be, so I rely pretty heavily on uh, reference works. The Strong's number there, by the way, if you're interested in doing any study on it, is 3778. Uh, I checked every version accessible to me, and all the translators translate the word this in Matthew 24. 34 and in Luke 21 32 they all without exception I never found one exception they all say this generation Thayer says that the first and primary meaning of the Greek word hutos is this one the one visibly present here and so when Jesus said hutos this generation he was using the word uh, all all translators acknowledge he was using the word in its common givens meaning this generation, this one presently here at this time, these things will happen while these people are living. Now, and he said, and I didn't catch this from him, his argument is that when Israel comes back to Palestine and regains control of Jerusalem, that is what Jesus is talking about in the context. And where where does he get that from? Well, how does he make that connection? Uh, well, and that's get, what Anthony in the chat room asked. How does he pick that which uh, generation? Well, uh, he, he's re- relying, as I remember, more thoroughly on Luke chapter 21. Uh, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. He spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So he's saying the redemption, the redemption of the Jews based upon the reclamation of uh, Jerusalem is the key there. Uh, But again, that's a that's again a stretch. And you have to enforce it. It's a serious stretch. Uh, I counted over 200 times the Greek word hutos is found in the New Testament and in every instance. Not just in the two passages under question, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, but in every instance, the word is translated this. Okay. So in order to come to that conclusion, you have to use an unusual meaning of the word, not a a meaning, not, uh, excuse me, a usage not found in New Testament wording. All right. Anthony makes an an excellent observation in the chat room. He says, unless we let the Bible interpret itself, we can make any passage mean anything we want. I think that's right, Anthony. I think you're exactly right. That is right. And I I only have one other comment about uh, about Stephen's observations and also about uh, Gunter von Haringa's observations about Harold Camping. 
you know, Stephen says he's been studying this for 15 years, and, and Gunter says that, you know, you have to have this incredible mind to put these pieces together and unlock the key, you know, unlock the puzzle. I think if anyone says that, you ought to immediately, that ought to immediately make a red flag go off. Uh, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God hasn't revealed to us some puzzle that you've got to have an, an, an enormous mind to be able to comprehend. You don't have to spend years upon years studying one minutia of the Bible to understand and comprehend it. Uh, if someone says that, I think that that is an immediate flag that there could be a false doctrine around the bend. Yeah, uh, uh, Anthony sent an email in, and, and he was reminded of a, of a comment, I think, in the chat room from Kevin last week. He said, uh, if we are spending years of our life studying and trying to, quote, break the code of the Bible in order to predict the Lord's return, we are wasting our time. We need to spend our time preparing ourselves and preparing others for heaven, and we need to heed the simple teaching that we do not know when Jesus will return. There are so many things we need to be studying and doing in our lives that have nothing to do with predicting the Lord's return or trying to interpret every current event in some kind of an apocalyptic way. I think that's a great observation. Yeah, okay. All right, well, when we get back uh, from the break, we need to get into some questions that you asked earlier today to our update list. Do you want to run over those real quickly? Yeah, earlier today to our update list, we sent out these questions, and the emphasis on the things that we know. I wanted to really emphasize, what do we know? Last week was spent in a lot of speculative guessing. Okay, and you, and you so emphasize this week, things that we when know. When I asked the questions, I actually capitalized and, and emboldened the word no. So question one, what do we know about the timing of the Lord's return? Number two, what do we know about the rapture? Number three, what do we know about the tribulation? And number four, what do we know about the establishment of the Lord's eternal kingdom? All right, when we get back from the break, what do we know about the timing of the Lord's return? Send in your comments in the chat room. We can take them tonight. Plenty of time for your comments in the chat room. Or send us an email. Give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. 
My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the virtual Bible studies tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you in the chat room at questions at collegeu.com and at 877-381-4567. As we talk about the end of the world, question we want to consider now is what do we know about the timing of the Lord's return? Well, what do you know? Well, we do need to talk about what we know. As we said last week, was a lot of speculation uh, trying to put together a puzzle piece to come to the conclusion. But we do know some things. The Bible plainly tells us. John in Oklahoma writes, Regarding the timing of the Lord's return, we must take note that none of the inspired teachers ever gave a time for the Lord's return. While some of the apostles, such as Paul, Peter, and John, referred to the end of time, their writings do not reveal the timing of the Lord's return in clear and unmistakable terms. Jesus Christ, the greatest authority while on earth, said, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming, Matthew twenty-five thirteen. If we have missed such clear and unmistakable teachings regarding the time of the Lord's return, I would desire someone to correct me. Uh, I don't think we have missed it. Uh, th- there have been, of course, we need to understand that the people who are currently making speculations about Jacob are they're not the first ones to ever do no, that. No, no. Uh, there have been literally hundreds of people beginning in the in the first century, because in uh, you know in Second Thessalonians. Paul wrote about some who were trying to misinterpret his words exactly. and conclude that the end was uh, at hand, the time was at hand. Uh, and so, really, we can go all the way back to the first century and, and, and say that people have been trying to guess the time of the Lord's return. These, these latest ones are, are not unique in that matter. But the fact of the matter is uh, that, as, as John said, we don't know. It wasn't revealed. We can't say. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 uh, oh, excuse me, that, that's the passage I was referring to where Paul said some were maybe misusing his words and trying to conclude that people, that the Lord sure, was coming in their sure. lifetime. But in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which uh, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the element shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Emphasis on as a thief in the night. When the Lord comes and the world is destroyed, it's going to be as a thief in the night. A thief in the night doesn't give advance sign or warning. And in fact, he doesn't even send clues that you might be able to piece together or decode so that you could know when he was coming. A thief comes without notice at all. And not, not a, he doesn't even give a coded message. He gives no message. He gives no sign or warning that he's coming. The element of surprise is what the thief it's critical. wants. It's critical With, for a thief. Without that, the thief is going to, his plan will be foiled. Exactly. And Paul used that same terminology in First Thessalonians 5, verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Uh, he said it, it will be at such a time that People who might try to predict it would think it's not coming. They'll say peace and safety, but he's going to come as a thief at night when they don't expect it. I've got to stop you there, though, because uh, people like Harold Camping and Gunter Van Herringa and others are specifically going to First Thessalonians chapter 5 to prove that you can know 
And you stopped one verse too early. Read that. I think we verse explain. four. They say, but ye brethren are not in darkness that the day that that day should overtake you as a thief. So what they're saying is, if we do the math, if we look at the prophecies, we'll be able to tell when it's going to be, so it won't overtake us like a thief. No, I think that's the wrong understanding. Of that. Okay. I don't know when a thief might come to my house, but I've got my windows locked, my doors locked, I've got my alarm system set. Okay. I don't know when he's coming, but I'm ready for him whenever he comes because I, knowing that there is the possibility that he'll come, I have I have myself ready. And I think that's what Paul's saying. The Lord's going to come as a thief tonight, but it won't overtake those of us who are ready, who have made our preparations. Okay. Uh, not that we know when it's coming, just that we have made our preparations for whenever it comes, and it will not overtake us. Okay, and the rest of the context there would prove that your interpretation is correct. I think correct. so, yeah. Okay, all right, and I, and I do. But they, they, they are specifically pointing to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, to say, hey, these people are saying that we can't know they're wrong because it's not going to take us like a thief, overtake us like a thief because we've done the math. It, well, but think about it. What are, what are ways that you might prevent a thief from from robbing you? Well, if you knew he was coming in advance, you could keep him from robbing you. But if you had your preparations all the time, if you were correct, if you were always vigilant and prepared, then he couldn't overtake you either. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the second way that, that Paul's talking about there in First Thessalonians chapter 5. All right. We're always ready, and therefore we will not be overtaken. That's right. Okay. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you're just joining us tonight, we're talking about the end of the world. Can we know? Uh, when the end of the world will be, as some are telling us in the day that we live in today. If you're wanting to comment in the chat room tonight, you do so by using the window, uh, the the button at the bottom of the chat room window where you can uh, sign in. You don't need an account. You don't need any personal information. You can use a nickname, and you can join in the chat in there. Dave, I put together some notes about what we know about his coming, how it will be. I think it's just kind of interesting to think about how that will be when it does happen. We're not saying when it will happen. We don't know when it will happen. But the Bible tells us some things about how it will happen. It will be okay. visibly uh, in Acts chapter 1 when he went up and when he ascended to heaven in the clouds, the angels who appeared to the apostles as they were watching said, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Mm-hmm. So he's going to come visibly. We'll see it. It'll be visible. It will be audible. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of, an arch, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there'll be, the voice of, there'll be a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I don't know what that will sound like, but I'm fairly confident it will not be missed. It'll be unique and such as no one has ever heard before. Uh, it'll be, so it'll be visible and audible. We've already mentioned it will be in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and the angels will be with him. Matthew 16, verse 27 says, The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. So it'll be an awesome thing. I don't think it'll be mistakenable. You know, some of the some of the ones who've made predictions and missed it in the past have said, yeah, he you came, it. but nobody saw him. Yeah. Uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, had a very strong prediction in the year 1914. And they had done a lot of things in anticipation that the Lord would come. Well, 1914 came and went. And, uh, of course, the Lord didn't return. 
So to cover up that that miss, they came out with a doctrine. That he actually did come, but no one saw him. Only those who had the eye of faith, they claim, could see him at that time. This says that's not going to be so. All right. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. When we get back from the break, we're going to get this week's bullet point during the break. But after the break, we want to talk about the rapture. What do you know about the rapture? And this ought to be interesting. We'd like to hear from you on that. I think we need to hold First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 as a passage to talk about in the rapture. Yeah, real quickly, Jacob, we, we got a couple emails. Before we go to that break, on the first question, what do we know about the time of, of, of the Lord's return? Anthony says, we know that he will come unannounced without warning as a thief in the night, First Thessalonians 5, Second Peter 3. Any attempt to predict the Lord's return completely ignores simple, the simple truth of these passages along with Matthew 24, 36. And Jeffrey, our, our, our Jeffrey, engineer tonight. What are your said, thoughts, Jeff? What do you think, Jeff? Well, it just shows us of God's wisdom. I mean, if we knew when he was going to come, we could do whatever we wanted to and then repent right before he comes. That's and, right. And there would be no reason to live right. I, exactly right, Jeff. I think that's a good point to make. Uh, if, if if This no, no doubt reflects God's wisdom. If he had told us, I'm coming on May 21st, 2011, well, that would be an invitation to us to just live wickedly and hurt ourselves in the process because we don't have to get ready. I mean, that's still, what, three or four months out there. I can, I, I got a lot of time left. Yeah. It'd be an invitation to low living. The Lord wouldn't do that. Okay. All right, we'll get a break, get this week's bullet point. We'll talk about the rapture. What do you know about the rapture? Let us know your thoughts. Uh, Nick in the chat room says they also predicted it's coming in 1975. Well, that didn't happen. The Jeho- he's talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, guest 67 He's using that uh, that nickname. He says, uh, "Not even since uh, since not even the messengers or angels know the day and the hour. How can some suggest that they know the hour?" Uh, some are talking about twelve, 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 maybe, or he mentions twelve, twenty-one, twelve. I haven't I heard know. of that one, but uh, I mean, there's a, pretty much. Well, I think day. you know, we we talked about this uh, several months ago. There have been some who saying the Mayan calendar runs out in twenty twelve. Okay, and, and maybe that, it is twelve twenty-one twelve. That, that that is the end of time, end of the world. No. Okay. Others have said the Mayan calendar ran out because they just got tired of writing. <laughs> okay. I think that's probably right. All right. Uh, John says, let's not forget the book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Could Come in 1988. Edgar it was the guy who wrote that. I don't know why I remember that, but he was a, a retired NASA engineer, and he he wrote that book. Edgar Wisnett wrote 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Occur in 1988, and, uh, of course, he was dead wrong. All right. Uh, join in the chat room tonight. Lots of good commenting going on there. You can sign in with your Facebook account and then recommend it to your friends if you want to do that, and we can hopefully make the chat room even larger. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
He has been married to his college sweetheart for 15 years now. They have two kids, a lovely house in the suburbs, and lots of friends. He's got a good, secure job. Everything looks great. But in recent months, he has been depressed and unhappy. His wife, noticing these changes, has been worried about him. Is he having a midlife crisis? Is there another woman? Finally, she summons up the courage to ask him what's wrong. He assures her that there is no other woman. He would never do such a thing as that. What's the problem? To be totally honest, he says, I just don't love you anymore. Her pain is deep and obvious. But the husband hastens to add, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you and the kids. I'll still be here. I know it would be wrong to get a divorce. I'll fulfill my obligations. We'll keep going on. How do you think that wife would react? Do you imagine that she will be relieved? Will she be happy to know that her marriage will continue, but only as an outward show? Is that enough? Can fulfilling obligations take place of, I love you? This imaginary account has too many real-life counterparts. We think there are a number of spiritual parallels, too. How many Christians have lost their real love for the Lord? Oh, yes, they continue to go through the motions. They worship regularly, even show up for some of the special things, but it is done out of obligation, not out of genuine love. Will that suffice? No. Jesus says, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. The Lord desires service based on love. Nothing else will do. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeu.com. Join in the chat room with other listeners and sign in with your Facebook account and recommend it to your friends. Uh, if you would like uh, to get them to join in on the virtual Bible study as well. We're talking about the end of the world and some things that we know about it, and we want to know now what you know about the rapture. We hear about that a lot. Uh, there's some talk about it. I think actually 521.12 or 521.11, May 21st, is actually when they think the rapture will be. I think October 21st of this year is the true end of the world, according well, to Harold the, Camping. Yeah, and I've but I've seen them say May 21st is Judgment Day, and I guess they're saying God's going to judge between the wicked and the righteous right. and separate them on that day. Uh, we've got a chart, uh, Jeff. You'll put that chart up on the screen. This is an old chart. I've had it around for a long time, and I'm not even sure exactly who was the originator of it. But I've always thought it did the best job of depicting the theory of premillennialism and, and gives a good visual picture of where the rapture supposedly and fits in. That's integral in. with the with the theory. The, the the rapture and the tribulation are integral to the to the theory of premillennialism. And I've always thought that this chart does a really good job uh, of showing it. Notice that during the personal ministry of Jesus, the kingdom was postponed. Jesus failed. Uh -huh. he, he came to establish his earthly kingdom when he came initially, but he failed. He wasn't able to do so because the Jews rejected him and he was crucified on the cross. The church was set up as an interim measure, a sort of a stopgap to hold place in time until the Lord could, could get the job done, come back and establish his kingdom as he initially planned to do. And so now events are, are coming together, these folks claim, that would indicate that this is all about to happen. At some point in the future, uh, Harold Camping and others are saying May 21st, so it's not far in the, in the future, according to them, 
There's going to be a rapture of the saints. The righteous are going to be caught away. They'll just disappear. They'll be called to be with the Lord. They'll just disappear from the earth. I've often illustrated uh, how emphatic they are about this instantaneous disappearance of the righteous. And some of our older listeners will remember, as I do, that uh, a bumper, they had a bumper sticker that said, in case of the rapture, this car will be unmanned. And what they meant was when the rapture and that happened. That wasn't a joke. It was to them. It wasn't a joke. It was a joke to other people. But when the the idea is when the rapture happens, this driver will just be snatched away, and the car will just go careening out of control because it has no driver. Mm-hmm. That's how instantaneously this rapture would occur. Um, they're going to be gone from the earth for seven years. They're going to be in paradise, and during that same seven years here on earth, it's going to be great tribulation. There's going to be a period of terrible tribulation, which might logically make sense. You take all the good people away and only the wicked people are left. There's going to be a lot of tribulation for seven years. By the way, there were some some popular books and movies made upon the books, the Left Behind series, Mm -hmm. and it dealt with those who were left behind after the rapture took place and so forth. Um, But they believe that that, uh, at the end of that seven years, the Lord's going to return with his angels and his saints, and the great battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. All the forces of evil are going to be combined, and the Lord's going to return with his mighty army, and this tremendous battle will be fought. They believe it's a, a, a literal battle that will actually take place, um, and, and they, they interpret some of the passages in the book of Revelation that talk about great battles and tremendous destruction. The blood will run as deep as the horse's bridles right. and so forth, they say from the book of Revelation. Jesus will win that fight, and he will set up his earthly kingdom at that time. Mm-hmm. He'll reign for a thousand years on David's throne, restored in the city of Jerusalem. And then at the end of the thousand years, there will be the final judgment and the assignment of the righteous to heaven and the wicked to hell. That's, that's I think, really a good chart showing in a nutshell what the theory of premillennialism is all about. It's a very popular idea. Most religious denominations these days believe the theory of premillennialism. Uh, there's all kinds of different takes and little uh, quirky, weird ideas that some will will try to tie Pre in. Pre and post millennial. Yeah, well, the post is the, the rapture happens after the rain. I don't know how they get that done, but the the, the post millennialists believe that the, the thousand years will be after the final judgment. Oh, after maybe final. maybe I, I assume the post millennialists believe judgment will happen right at the end, right when the Lord returns. Okay. Instead of at the end of the thousand years, the, his his judgment will be at the start of now, the thousand. Years. How many people? How many? Uh, what would you say the percentage of people who believe the the rapture in the religious world they are? Is it uh, it's is, is it per, re, relatively per, pervasive? I think so. I think the the majority of so-called Protestant religious people these days believe the theory of premillennialism, and there there's a lot of popular authors who are writing about yeah. it. Uh, Hal Lindsey is a, is one that's been very popular. He he was first known for his uh, uh, book, The Late Great Planet Earth, in mm-hmm. which he talked about these things leading up to the end. But there's a lot of popular authors that have written on the premillennial speculation. Now, what we want to do is to point out that there's not any of that found in the Word of God. That that that's that's invented by men, and that chart, as good a job as it does of Explaining the view is a chart that is without biblical basis or support. Well, what about the passage that mentions the rapture? Where is that? Oh, we haven't found that yet. <laughs> if, you, if you found it, let us know. Now, there are some passages that are misused 
uh, Dad, as far as uh, uh, some who would try and prove the rapture. The word rapture is never found in the Bible, but there are some people that uh, misuse passages. Yeah, and you, you suggested it earlier, Jacob, in First Thessalonians 4. Well, not, not that one. Uh, I, Go ahead. I know, but the one in Matthew chapter, I believe, Matthew uh, uh, 25, where it talks about the one will be taken, the other left. In 24. Yeah, Matthew 24. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the two, uh, two in the field, verse forty. Uh, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Uh, watch, therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord does come. I think that may be a, a primary passage that they use to indicate there's going to be some kind of thing where people are just going to vanish away. Yeah. Uh, again, in that passage, I think that he is just suggesting the separation that will take place when the Lord does return. Mm-hmm. That the righteous will be separated from the wicked. Uh, one of the, the perhaps the the passage that comes as close to talking about the rapture as any is in First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning verse fourteen. First uh, Thessalonians four verse fourteen. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. But here's the killer that dispels the, the, the rapture concept. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's no indication that the Lord is ever going to set foot on earth again. Or that the saints called up to be with the Lord will ever come back again. That passage is, comes as close to describing the rapture scenario, but it actually it does doesn't not. do it. It does yeah. not. Okay. eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we got some emails. Uh, John uh, in Oklahoma has written, the term rapture is not, is not in the Bible. The idea of the faithful rising to meet the Lord is clearly spelled out in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, which we were just reading. Also, Paul points a negative picture of the same event in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 11, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 through 9. I'm not, John, you may have to help me on that. I'm not sure what you mean by a negative picture of that. Well, the negative being a judgment of the wicked as well. The wicked aren't just going to be left here. Yeah, I think maybe is what he's getting at. Second Thessalonians chapter one verse seven: You troubled rest with us when the Lord okay. uh, shall be real with heaven okay. and his in flaming tire fire taking at that vengeance time. on them. Right. So okay. when he returns, it's not just going to be for the righteous. He's going to take vengeance good, on the good, wicked. Right. As well. Okay. Uh, when the Lord returns, He will return with the faithful who have already died, and the faithful who are living will be transformed. First Corinthians fifteen, and will spend eternity with Him. The unfaithful will face the wrath of God. And so John agrees that the the rapture is not there. Anthony writes, we know that neither the term rapture nor its accompanying doctrine exist anywhere in the Bible, and I would agree with that statement. All right. Uh, Nick writes in the chat room. Um, well, let's, let's back up a minute. Uh, John says, I found it interesting that several of the first books of the Left Behind series came out before the end of 1999. I often question if they were playing on the hype of the end of the millennium. And Nick says, the Left Behind books and videos seem to have displaced Hal Lindsey's books in popularity. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, there is this kind of literature and, and movies and so forth extremely popular. And uh, those authors have made lots of money selling their speculations. 
All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Join in the chat room if you're not logged in. Sign in as a guest. No personal information is required. You ask a question about the tribulation. What do we know about the tribulation? Well, as you uh, and Jeff, you might throw that chart back up there just one more time. Notice that the tribulation is in conjunction with the rapture. So they stand and fall together, maybe? I think they stand and fall together. The, the, the righteous will be raptured away, and there will be tribulation on earth. Now, there's, there's a lot of speculation about things that will take place during the tribulation. For instance, they, they think that during the tribulation, maybe there'll be a turning to the Lord. Certain ones, especially the Jews, it's argued perhaps especially the Jews during the tribulation will turn back to the, to the Lord. Uh, again, it's not in the Bible. It's simply not there. Uh, John says there are no direct Bible teachings regarding a period of tribulation. This teaching is conjecture developed by men who have pieced together pieces, uh, uh, pieced together scripture in a fashion not intended by God. Uh, got an email from Anthony there, I think, Jay. Anthony says the tribulation in Matthew 24 is referring to the historically documented events surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Furthermore, this tribulation is stated in verse 34 to occur before that generation would pass away, so it is not a future event. Yeah. Uh, in, John, in Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and so forth. And Anthony's exactly right. The tribulation there is is clearly that which was going to accompany the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 A.D. I think an interesting verse uh, is um, Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, I, John, who am your brother and companion in tribulation yeah. and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the Isle of Patmos and so forth. Uh, John said he was he was a participant in the tribulation right then and there. And Jeff, uh, it's in a verse as well. Jeff, uh, you had a comment about uh, a verse that goes along with that. I put it. I sent in John chapter sixteen verse thirty three that states, "These things I have spoke to you that in me you may have peace in the world." You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, sounds like it, something ongoing, not something that's just going to happen true. for seven years. Yes. All right. Good comment, John. You know, by yes. the way, and I don't know if anybody's interested in that, but if you'll send an email in uh, and just ask, for, if you're interested in that chart, which uh, I think does a good job explaining the, the, the premillennial theory, if you're interested in that chart, send us, uh, just send us an email say, send me that chart and we'll do it. All right. Uh, looks like uh, we may have lost our video. So if you uh, if you see us, uh, let me know uh, so we can maybe check on that. Hold your hold hold your horses there, uh, Jeff, for just a minute. Let's see if it comes back. Um, and uh, we're going to take a break. And during the break, we'll take your comments. Especially want to know on the other side of the break, what do we know about the establishment of the Lord's eternal kingdom? Has that happened already? Are we waiting for that to happen after the rapture? What does the Bible teach us about the establishment of the Lord's kingdom? We'll take a break, and we'll look to talk to you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the virtual Bible study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Now he's 18, and he likes to drive the virtual Bible study. Jeff is uh, behind the controls tonight. We appreciate him for being here. And uh, we want to talk about the kingdom. What do we know about the kingdom? We're talking about things about around the end of the world. And uh, the theory of premillennial, the rapture in premillennialism goes to show us uh, that people think that the kingdom is not here yet. But what uh, do we know about the kingdom from the scriptures? Let me, I'm just, I'm typing. I can't talk while I type there. I got it. Um, The, uh, first of all, the Old Testament clearly predicted when the kingdom was going to come. Right. And and the best prophecy of all is the is in Daniel chapter 2 when Daniel was interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a, a great image, and it yep. was made up of different types of metals. Yep. We don't have, we're just going to run out of time here, Jacob, if we're not careful. But, That's in Daniel uh, 2, 31 through 45. Right. And uh, Jeff, I think we got a chart up with that. Uh, Daniel said that that image that Nebuchadnezzar saw was a progression of great world empires, starting mm-hmm. with his own, mm-hmm. Babylon, and and all unanimously agree he was describing the progression Babylon, Persia, Greece under Alexander the Great, and finally the Roman Empire. And he says in verse 44, in the days of these kings, the, these last kings of the Roman Empire, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And so he said it must be during the time of the Romans' kings. Well, Rome's been gone for a long time, and that's why some of these premillennialists say there has to be some some symbolic resurrection of the Roman Empire because of that prediction. Okay, so they they understand. They that. understand that prediction, but they say in order now, and, and you know what they're saying? They're saying that this 10-member European Union is a resurrection of the Roman Empire. It's a real stretch, but that's what they're saying because they realize it's got to be during the time of the Roman kings. Now, notice also Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So here's talking about this everlasting kingdom. When would Jesus get it? When the Son of Man came with the clouds, to the ancient of days 
He came to God in the clouds, not that he came from God right. in the clouds. Okay. The premillennialists have him getting his kingdom when he comes from God in the clouds back to earth. But Daniel said he would receive his kingdom when he went to the Father in the clouds. Well, that's what happened. Uh, and, and so the Old Testament predicted clearly it was going to be in the time of the Roman kings, and it would be at the time that the Lord ascended back to the Father in the clouds. Now, in the New Testament, the prediction during the lifetime of Jesus was it's, it's near at hand. We got several predictions like that. Uh, Matthew 3, beginning verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or near, it's near. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus himself said, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh-huh. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. And he sent the 70 out on the limited commission, saying, Go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, and those, John and Jesus were uh, seriously mistaken if those if this doctrine is true. If the, if the kingdom hasn't come yet, then we've got a big problem on several counts. The, uh, and an obvious one is Jesus said it was about to happen. If it didn't happen, was he wrong? Was he a liar? Was he a failure? Was he a deceiver? Uh, you, you, I don't know. How do you explain that? The the answer that many would have to give is that he was a failure, correct? Isn't that the, the common I think they, explanation? They, they have to say he failed and has to come back again a second time to get the job done, okay. which to me is a very uh, disturbing thing to think of the, the Son of God not being able to accomplish his will over mortal men. But what we know is that the events on the day of Pentecost actually fulfilled the prophecies and the predictions of the coming kingdom. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, it was in the time of the Roman kings. Okay. It was just after Jesus had ascended to his father in the clouds. Okay. And it was in the immediate time frame in which Jesus and John and the apostles had preached at hand. Is at hand. Okay. All right. Now, we got some other passages that uh, I think also prove that the kingdom came into existence there in the first century. One of the great ones is Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus said, Verily I say to you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now think about that for a minute. If Jesus said some living then would not die till the kingdom came, either he was wrong, and that's a huge problem if he was wrong, or... Couldn't be our Savior. Or... There's some people wandering around somewhere that are 2,000 years old. Now, that's obviously not a, a possibility either. And so we have to believe that the kingdom came in that first century just as the Bible predicted it would and just as was stated uh, by our Lord. Those folks would make Methuselah look like a whippersnapper, wouldn't they? Yeah. And, uh, okay. Um, and so we believe that, that the kingdom came there in the first century. Uh, one interesting exercise, Jacob, is to look at... Things before the day of Pentecost spoken of in anticipation and okay. things after Pentecost spoken of in fulfillment. Look at down here, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Before Pentecost, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The kingdom hadn't come, but it was close. In Colossians 1, 13, Paul spoke of being, uh, he says, The Lord has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice past tense. 
Now it's in existence. Now Christians had been translated into that kingdom. So before Pentecost, it was spoken of in anticipation. After Pentecost, it was spoken of as in reality. Yeah, I like what you're doing here. You're framing uh, Pentecost with verses before Pentecost and after and how they both point back to Pentecost and to that fundamental event when the kingdom was established. We already read Mark 9, verse 1. Some standing and listening to Jesus would not taste of death till they say have seen the kingdom of God come with power. So in Mark 9, it was in anticipation. But Hebrews 12, verse 28, the English Standard Version says, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe, with reverence and awe. So, uh, again, Pentecost pins it down and points to that as being the time when the the promised kingdom came. We're not waiting for it. The theory of premillennialism and all that end-time speculation is off base because we know that the kingdom that the Lord promised to establish was established back then, and true Christians are in that kingdom today, and he is a king reigning over that kingdom. All right, Mark, Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, Jesus talks about not drinking of the fruit of the vine until he drinks it anew with you in the Father's kingdom. He's going to not do that until the kingdom, and we are partaking of the Lord's Supper now. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, therefore we can conclude... Uh, that we're in the kingdom today. The kingdom exists, and numerous passages, we haven't touched on all of them, show that the kingdom does exist today. Yeah. Uh, Nick in the chat room makes a point. He says, there could be no doubt that the Messiah's kingdom did come and Christians comprise its citizenship, yet there's an aspect of the kingdom which we are yet to inherit. And I think that's right. The heavenly aspect of the kingdom, those who will be received into the eternal habitations, will inherit the heavenly aspect of that eternal kingdom. But the kingdom itself is in existence and shall never be destroyed. All right. Uh, David in the chat room says, Jesus said his kingdom was spiritual, not literal. Luke 17, 20 and 21. John 18, verse 36. And Paul in the chat room says, premillennial thought challenges the power of God. I believe that's right. John agrees. You know, Paul, the premillennialist, would get, uh, should get together uh, with the theistic evolutionist. They both challenge the power of God. And uh, there's a good connection there. Uh, In our email, John wrote, what do we know about the establishment of the Lord's eternal kingdom? He says, we know a great deal. Paul and other inspired writers have taught that Jesus is reigning at the right hand of the Father now. Jesus has been reigning since his ascension to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning verse 20, makes this truth clear. Verse 25 reads, for he must reign. In other words, he is reigning. He must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. Ten days following Jesus' ascension, Peter taught this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see in here, Acts 2, verses 32 and 33. I think you're right, John. Thank you. Uh, Anthony writes, we know the kingdom is in existence now from passages like, and he lists 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Colossians 1, 13, Colossians 4, 11, 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5, Revelation 1, 9. Also, Jesus and John preached that the kingdom was at hand. Either their mission failed or they were lying. All right. And and Jeffrey mentioned the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel 2.44. So all of that points out to the fact the kingdom is in existence. We're not waiting. Go back to that chart that we looked at earlier. We're not waiting for any of that stuff to happen. It's not taught in the Bible. The kingdom is here. Christians are in it now. Jesus is reigning over it now. What we have to do is constantly be vigilant. Be prepared. We don't know when the Lord's coming to receive his saints. We want to be ready. We're not looking for a rapture. We're not looking for an establishment of an earthly kingdom. The next thing that we're looking for is the return of Christ. Exactly right. And that could be at any day. It will not be with warning, though. There will be no warning. We won't know the day, as some are telling us, that we can know today. Exactly right. All right. Uh, 
appreciate uh, you for being on the other end of the controls tonight, Jeff. Thanks for driving for us. And, uh, Dad, thank you for the time tonight. Enjoyed the study. A very important study. I think an important one, and I think it gave us a chance to clear up the, uh, the error, I believe, that was expressed by our guests last week. Again, we, 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 we appreciate those fellows for their willingness to talk about what they believe, but we also have to we, – we have a duty to explain where we think they're in error, and, they, and tonight's uh, program gave us an opportunity to do that. All right. Uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Uh, sure. We, we, we're always open to suggestions uh, right. from our listeners. Our email will be open waiting for you to suggest what we should talk about next week. Maybe you know someone we should interview, someone who's uh, been in the news and maybe uh, coming out with some uh, doctrine you think is in contradiction to what the Scriptures teach. We'd like to hear from you if you have a lead like that. Or maybe you've just been studying something with your uh, friend of yours, with your family, or maybe just by yourself. You've been studying something and you've got some questions you'd like to hear it discussed in this format. We'd like to hear from you anytime. Uh, we'll welcome your suggestions about any Bible subject if you'd like to hear it discussed on the virtual Bible study. Send us an email or give us a call anytime. We appreciate you for listening to the program tonight, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope that you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, 